Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, I just want to let you know about an amazing company, an amazing product that we use in our home every day. The company is Ballish Woodwork. It is owned by my friend Kurt Ballish. He makes homemade woodworks. And for my wife, which you know I love and adore, last Mother's Day, I got her a homemade cutting board made by Kurt and is the only cutting board that we will use in our home. So if you guys love homemade woodwork and you would love to make a piece maybe for your wife, maybe a chessboard, maybe something special for your home, Definitely check out BalishWoodworks.com. Tell them that Richard and Vertical Momentum sent you guys. Have an amazing day. Remember, Vertical Momentum, the only way to go is but up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, today we're going to be talking about some of my favorite subjects with one of my favorite people of all time. And I love it when a Jersey boy does good. So definitely we're going to be talking about resilience, recovery, all kinds of stuff, especially staying positive. Um, So guys, welcome, my friend. Joe, how are you doing, my brother? Uh, Doing great, Richard. Doing great. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. All right. So now I got to ask you, because, you know, a lot of times we have friends in common and and they're military and stuff like that. But how do you know Brian Gerardo of Raw Fitness? Oh, Brian, I actually know him through my fiance. He owns a gym down in Lodi. Yep, because I'm he. I've been friends with him for about uh, almost five to seven years now. Oh Can wow, you... well, that's a that's a small world. That's funny. Yeah, you hear me? Yep, I hear you great. And actually, oh. you're from Mawa, right? So, uh, my wife, her main company, Striker, is out of Mawa. Oh yeah, right on uh, 17 there. Yep, yeah. I grew up in Mawa. I currently reside in New York State. I'm about 45 minutes north now. I uh, I hopped over the fence over in New York State now. So talk to us. Tell us a little bit about um, you know, where you're from and your your childhood and what kind of little yeah, sure, so. were you? Yeah, sure. So yeah, like I said, I grew up in uh, northern New Jersey. Um, my father's a police officer, still is. He's actually police chief down in Little Ferry now. So I grew up, I was in the fire department. Um, you know, just... um, but always kind of, you know, looking outside myself for who I was and what I was looking to do. So yeah, I tried the college thing after high school, really didn't fit. Um, and then I went on to work for the DP. It just like wasn't panned out. I like to, to, my life was heading, and I was like, I, I need to hit the reset button. And that's kind of that's when I joined the military, and I joined the Marines. Um, and I actually ended up going in in 2011. Now, what, uh, was when was when I shipped off to Paris Island. Now, what kind of kid were you? Were you a good athlete? Were you a good student? 
Um, you know what? I was kind of mediocre at both. I was in sports, but kind of more in the sports because it was like the thing to do. So I played football and baseball, but it honestly kind of fell by the wayside. I was always a worker. Um, I always had jobs. I was always making. entrepreneurship and just like had it, like I had a little I did like a lawn mowing I think at my heart I was always an entrepreneur um and I did good in, in school if I if I if I put my so I just kind of squeaked by and uh and did good in the things I put my effort into but but quite frankly working was always at the core of what I did and that's really what I excelled at so now uh, I know you joined the Marine Corps um, but tell us about your recruiting stories. Yes. When I was like, I was working at DPW and I had this aha moment of something's got to change. Where I'm heading is not where I want to be going. So I, I, I thought I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the military. And quite frankly, the first thing that popped into my head was I want to go to the Marines. I just had heard that it was the most difficult so I, I always kind of leaned into difficulty. Um, so, yeah, I went down to my local recruiting office, um, you know, met with the guy there. And I remember getting in the debt program, the delayed entry. And it was about like a six month to a 10 month period. Um, and then they, they really, you know, got us ready. We were doing the weekly workouts. They were getting us ready for the knowledge and everything. So, you know, we, I kind of got that like pre-military experience in. Uh, I think I went into, at the time it was in Hackensack, Hackensack, New Jersey was my recruiting office. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. My first time being in that kind of environment um, to really get prepped for that. So that was, that was really my, my recruitment process for that. Now, um, so what was it like, you know, because I know when, when I went to join the military, I was 17 years old and being from Jersey, certain part of Jersey, I had a bad attitude problem. And I, and so I was known as the guy with the, the smart ass mouth. So what was your basic training experience like? Yeah, my basic training experience, I, I definitely was more of the, uh, like I said, with my father being a cop, I definitely was a uh, was more of a rule follower. So I, I, I definitely was putting out. Um, I was a little bit, I guess I would, I would call myself the underdog. You know, I wasn't as tall. I wasn't as fast. I wasn't as fit. But I, I always excelled at just putting myself out there um, and just like pushing and just keep pushing, never giving up. And which I ended up towards the end, I, I ended up being, uh, you know, squad leader and I ended up getting promoted in boot camp um, meritoriously for that. So, uh, so yeah, I think for me, it was just that the grit and resilience of just pushing and pushing and keep pushing, like just, just always standing out because I didn't physically, maybe with my height and my size, but standing out, but how much I could deliver. And that was my experience. I think every day, like if I could scream louder, if I could push further if I could if I could motivate someone else I think that was really the big thing I showed myself in boot camp and which also you know just being in boot camp pushes pushes it to those limits as well so that's really being that motivated and pushing myself you know, and one thing I gotta really say is you know I love my marines um I gotta say you guys have the best uniforms ever period enough said and one thing I love is your mindset is that once a Marine, always a Marine. And I love that, um, that you guys have that mindset. So did you, when you got to your first duty station, did 
did the Marine Corps really fit your needs and your, did you, did you really excel in the Marine Corps? Yeah. So funny enough, I excelled really well in the Marine Corps. Also, I knew very quickly it wasn't something I wanted to do for life. Um, you know, it took a, after getting out of boot camp and it, it was about a year of school because I worked uh, on a school and ordnance school. I was loading bombs on planes. So it was like a year and a half before I actually hit the squadron. And then I went out to Yuma and I was working on airplanes and I've always been very mechanically inclined. So I excelled in it really fantastically. I was always very, very into my work. I ended up in four years. I got out as a sergeant even, and they, they w- would have loved to have me in, but I just, something inside me knew I was meant for something bigger than, than, than. Um, so I always had that pull of like, I'm definitely getting out in four years, but while I was in, I gave it my all. I made some great relationships. I had some good time. I really, I really, I did enjoy what I was doing, but like I said, on that deeper level, I knew there was something else for me outside of the in it. I love that. I like working on the aircraft. I like working with my hands. I went on a couple boat trips. We did muse out overseas with, with the Navy and supported missions out there. Carriers that, that do the uh, the hovering and whatnot. Um, so, so yeah, it was a cool experience. I really enjoyed it, and, and, and I really got a lot of experience out of it, that's for sure. Now, did you get deployed at all? Uh, I did twice. I did two Muse. So my deployments were were mostly at sea, um, and we we supported from uh, like we were out by Bahrain and and areas out there, and we would do um, support missions basically from the sea. And then I a tour in Japan. Where we did train. So I'm guessing you didn't fall into any. And- yeah, I'm guessing you didn't fall into the, any of the trappings of the military like I did with alcohol and drug abuse. Alcohol, absolutely. Definitely. Um, you know, that was just our go-to, especially when we were, like, we were in Yuma. I mean, our weekends were just drinking, going to San Diego. That was just how we, we dealt with everything. And like, you know, people were, you know, opening your windows up, tossing beers at you at eight in the morning. And while there was such positive things that I was gaining and, and, and motivation. And like, I gained so many good things in the military, but also looking back, I I definitely gained some habits that were definitely hindering me. And definitely the drinking is one thing that, that is just overdone and it's over almost expected for you to be done right in the barracks and, and on weekends and weekdays. I mean, you know, drinking till wee hours of the night and then getting up for your three mile runs in the morning. I mean, the things looking back, I put my body through were were pretty crazy, and and definitely some things I had to deprogram getting out, and which is which is a big was a big lesson for me is like I had all these skills and experiences, but to really utilize them, I had to root out the things that weren't serving me that I also picked up in my time as well. Now you know, like I said, I've I've interviewed hundreds of people on here, veterans, and you know, like when I got out, it was a very hard transition. Um, you know, because not only did I lose my career, but I lost my mission and I lost my, the camaraderie. So tell us what your transitioning was like, even though you planned it, I'm sure it wasn't as easy as you thought it would be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I got out and then, uh, I, you know, I came back to my old group of friends, right? So every, my old group of friends, just like they tell you, there's, they were still doing the same stuff. And, and I tried to kind of reassimilate into my old friend groups. But there was always a little bit of that disconnect there. 
Um, and then I went back to what I, I knew how to do best. I, I actually ended up working for a construction company, my, my friend's construction company. And I dug my life into my work there. Um, and I, I quickly, after a few months, began to realize, I was like, man, I'm doing all this work for a company. And I, I really feel like I could be doing this more efficiently. I could be making more money. I was working, you know, all these hours. And I felt like that, you know, the things that they were doing, they weren't taking, the, you know, the advice I had to say as far as productivity and stuff. So that's when I kind of switched things around. I opened my own business and I started my own construction company. I went on a whim, cashed in my life savings and started my own construction company. And, uh, and, and that's really where, where I led it. And, and again, I, I didn't know how to handle my emotions. I was into the drinking. So while the business was doing great, I was holding myself back by all of these habits and all of these things. And like you just said, with the camaraderie and community, I didn't have brothers and sisters around me to support my mission. I was kind of out there on my own. I had my fiance at the time, but I was struggling very deeply emotionally. And I really didn't know how to handle the emotions I was going through. So I was drinking them away. I was using drugs to, to put them away. And I was, you know, sometimes in depressive episodes for days on end in the couch, not really knowing how to reach out for help or who to reach out to help for, especially with a group of friends that I was came back into, but I wasn't really resonating with that I didn't feel aligned with. So, so I definitely had a lot of struggles there of like how to build the life that I really wanted to be living and get out of these old habits and patterns. So take us to that deepest, darkest point where you had, had to make the decision. All right. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Take us there to that moment. What, what you were going through, what it was like. Yeah, absolutely. So I was, I was to take over. So an emotion would come up of anger, of a fear of something. And I would completely dig into it. I would say things to my fiance at the time that I would completely regret calling her name. You know, looking back now, I, you know, certainly not proud of, but that was me being unable to tune into my emotions and to just tune into what I was going through. You know, I remember times where I would be in deep pain, hoping she would ask me what was wrong. And then she would ask me what, what was wrong. And then I would just cover it up and then fight around and not tell her what was wrong. So it was like, it was this just huge, big internal turmoil in me of like wanting help, but not wanting to ask for help. And, uh, and, you know, at the time I didn't know what I was doing, but I was repressing a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings. And I was just, I was pushing things away that really just wanted to be looked at and, and felt at the end of the day. Um, and, and that just manifested itself. Like I said before, in, in me just sitting on the couch and me, you know, just, just grabbing that liquor. Go away. When in reality, what I need to do is face these things. And that's when my liberation started to come is when I really started my journey of facing these things and turning my darkness into my light is really when the things started to change for me. And, you know, like, like I'm not a professional at all. So whoever's listening to this, just know that I'm not a professional. But I think I've had my Ph.D. in veterans because that's that's who I deal with. But I find that um, adults that act out is usually because of stuff that happened between the ages of three and 13. And then you add military to the mix, maybe war to the mix and you add alcohol to the mix and it becomes the perfect storm. And nobody tells you how to get out of the perfect storm unless they've been in the perfect storm. 
So talk to us what your come to Jesus moment was when you decided, okay, I got to change. I need help now. Yeah. So uh, mine's definitely a bit of an interesting one. So I, I, to this day, me and my fiance don't remember how the conversation came about or how it came about, but me and my fiance ended up deciding to take psychedelic mushrooms um, in our home one day. And we got some from a friend and we, and I had what is to date the most life altering life on these, what I call plant medicines. This experience completely ripped me out of my depression. They completely and they basically said, Joe, you are more than this. You're more than your emotions. You're more than your anger. You are something much bigger than this. And then me, really, that's what, what cultivated my personal development journey. I became obsessed with personal development, with psychology, and with this. Like I had, you know, been to church and I've, I, I believe, but in my heart, I didn't have anything that I truly, truly believe. And this experience called, called an ego. Um, but I don't really align with them. It really was an ego transformation. And it, it allowed me to see a deeper level of myself that I never knew existed. I always identified with my emotions, with my brain, with my 3D physical body. So that's all I could really comprehend. And I literally, that experience allowed me to experience A deeper, a God, a soul, whatever the word is you put to it. I experienced that in that moment. So that really blew the doors open for me, in which obviously got me very curious. And, and I worked with the medicines through the years. And, and, and it was a lot of integration and personal work. It, that was about three to four years ago now. But like I said, that was a fork in the road. My, what my life was going from one end down the drain to a complete 180 to where I am today, helping empower other people through the process. Now, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, that whether, you know, you succeed, you know, whether you fail, it's all an inside job. And if you want to change, mm. um, it doesn't matter where you're at because you always bring you with you. So it's an inside mm -hmm. job. So talk to us about having to change your mindset and your thought processes to change your circumstances around you. Absolutely. So a big one, I'll bring up a story because this was like a definitely a big blockage for me. So going back to my childhood, when I was 22 years old, right around, um, I had, uh, it was actually MySpace back then before the fades, there might be some listeners on here. I didn't even know they didn't even have MySpace, but uh, on MySpace, I had someone reach out to me um, stating that I had a father. I had a different father than the one I had grown up with. And I was like, oh, you're crazy. This isn't true. And and, you know, we went back and forth with some things and came to find out that I did have a different biological father than the one I had grown up with, uh, that I lived with my whole life. And for, you know, my parents did as any any parent would do. They did what they thought was best for the family. And and because of the way things planned out, they didn't they didn't let me know about that. So that came to light. And when that came to light, when I was 22, I was like, oh, well, screw him. He didn't want to be in my life. He's an asshole. And I pushed that down in my stomach. 
I went to the military and I forgot about it forever. <laughs> um, and after that, that the psychedelic experience and starting my personal development journey and then my fiance, I finally told her about that experience. And she's like, wait a second, you have a dad, you know where he is and you haven't met him. I was like, no, she's like, you have to do that. And, you know, this is also compounding. Like, uh, like I said, we were having struggles and, and all that. So she knew that there was this big blockage in me. So that was first and foremost, the thing that I had to confront. And so going into the, to the, to talking about like confronting things, like I had to, to, to really go into that. And I, I've since met him and I have a great relationship with him. He's a great person now. So that was, a, that was a huge blockage for me that, that, that was causing a lot of animosity in my life. And then, and then from there, you talk about mindset. It was, then it became like my daily practices, right. Of like really understanding the things in my life, like what's helping me, what relationships in my life helping me grow and what relationships in my life are holding me back. And that's the group of friends that just had planned for the weekend. And that was me just spending 40 hours a week watching TV. When I became obsessed with personal development, that's where my weeks were spending was reading books about how to get out of where I was, reading books about how my mind works, taking webinars with Tony Robbins that they're offering for free on weekends. Like that was really when the shift happened, when I started to understand that my time was either going towards things that were helping me or, or things that were holding me to exactly where I was. Um, so that was the enormous shift um, was between those habits and facing the things that I had been pushing down for a long time. You know, and I, and I totally believe, you know, everything, you know, what you're talking about, because, you know, in the last six months, I've been really delving deep into the mindset and I'm realizing not much has changed in the last two and, you know, 120 years since Dale Carnegie and, you know, um, think and grow rich and all this stuff came about. Um, but a, a lot of people like, you know, Ed Milet, uh, Tony Robbins, you know, they all go back to Napoleon Hill. They all go back to the basics about the mind and how um, the mind rules the body. And if you can change your mind, you can tr you can rule you can change your world. So talk to us about that. Changing your mindset will change your circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the mind is incredible. It, it really is. And, and I always go to the fact of, of our subconscious mind. So the mind that just does things like breathing, the things we don't think about runs 90% of our day. Um, so when we have our brain tuned in to work for us, that means that it's just constantly building a life for us in that 90% of the time. But when we're, when we have things like limiting beliefs that uh, you hear all the time in the personal development world, well, then your mind tends to work against you when you're when you're saying, oh, well, the world's a scary place or money's hard to come by. And we have these beliefs that are instilled in us. Then the, your mind is going to go and look to create that reality that you're believing. It's like when you're going to buy a new car and you have that car in your mind, you start seeing that car everywhere. Your brain is there to affirm the reality that you're having. So so the stories we tell and the beliefs we have are, are at the core of all of that. Like, do we believe that there's a bu bunch of opportunity and abundance and possibility in the world? Or do we believe that the world is a scary place and that people steal from you and that people lie and cheat? Because if you believe those things, well, then the world's going to bring those experiences to you and your brain's going to put you in experiences that bring that to you. So really digging into your beliefs and digging into 
to the things that you, the stories that you tell yourself is at the core of all of it. I know with like Tony Robbins, Dean Graciosi, that's right at the beginnings of their things. What are the stories that you tell about life, about where you are, what, what you, what you deserve? Some people quite frankly, don't think they deserve things. Don't just think they deserve love. Don't think they deserve money. So those are at the core of what's going to feed the brain and the brain's going to reflect back to you those things that that you're 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 saying you believe and you know i think like what you're talking about you know because i i love this subject by the way and Uh, joe i just want to say thank you for um hopping on and hanging out with us today i appreciate your brother um but most people don't realize that either you control your habits or your habits are going to control you and like you said up to you know 40, 50, 60% of the stuff that we do every day is just done by habit. We don't even think about it. So even if we can change 10 to 20% of those bad habits into good habits, our life is going to change. So, you know, I believe, you know, what you do in the morning and what you do before you go to bed can change your whole life. So talk to us about morning and evening rituals. Ah, yes. I, I, you picked a great subject for me. I, uh, this is something I've definitely been digging deeper and deeper into. Uh, morning routine has become such a pivotal, pivotal thing for me. Morning and night routine. Um, it's funny. I always wrote the story of me not being a morning person. I always felt a little more productive at night. Um, and I always dug into that because I'm always a fan of, of leaning into strengths, right? If you're, if you're more strong, strong at night, like do that. Um, but I actually, a couple months ago, I did a challenge where it was like the 5 a.m. challenge about getting up early and getting a little deeper in the morning routine. And it was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna give this a go, and I'm going to stop writing the story that I'm not a morning person. And I started to get up at 5 a.m., and I started to really refine my morning routine. And it, it's really completely altered the way I've shown up to the, to the world. And the way I like to put it is, you know, many of us get up. We, you know, we roll right over, we open our phones, we open Facebook, we open Instagram, we open our emails, and we're not in our energy yet. We're not in our grounded space. We were just off in dreamland and maybe even thinking the things or, you know, from the day before popping in our head. So we're a little, we're a little off. We're not what they call grounded. So if we see something that kind of can shake us, that can set a whole a whole snowball effect off into a quote unquote crappy day because we didn't take the time to really ground in and to go a little bit into to my routine. So I get up um, and, and I, I started just doing one thing at a time, but I definitely do a meditation every morning and to dig a little bit into meditation. Cause that can mean a lot of things for a lot of people and simply put, you know, I don't sit there and try to just quiet my brain. What I'm doing is, I'm practicing the muscle of disattaching from the thoughts. So when I was in my depression, like I talked about before, I attached to my thoughts. I attached emotions. I'm like, I am these things. So because I thought I was them, I could easily get lost in thought and get lost in trains of feelings without coming back. When I meditate in the morning, I'm reminding myself, you are the awareness. I like to think of it as like the body's a car. And then the person driving the car isn't the whole car. He can walk around the car, look at the engine, and the brain is just like the engine. It's a tool for us to use. But when we identify as being that thing, that's when we start to lose control. So in meditation, it's creating that separation from the, the organs and from the 3D physical into the awareness of what we really are. We're, just, we're able to just observe 
without it attaching to us. So that's why for me, meditation is is such a crucial thing in the morning. And then beyond that, then I do my yoga. So my, that's my brain activity. And then my yoga gets me into my body, gets my body flowing a little bit. It gets me like my, my energy going up a little bit. And that really solidifies in like my, my brain body connection. And then the only other big, really big thing for me is, um, is gratitude, a gratitude practice every morning for what I have, what I've been through, where I'm going, the people I'm connecting with. You, you study any successful person, they have gratitude at the top of their list for what they have and the people they have with them. So if, if I had to nail it down to three, those are the top three that really, I feel when I'm done, like I'm ready to tackle anything, any problem that comes up, any situation that might want to throw me off, I'm ready. I'm, I'm grounded in who I am. I know my mission. I know I'm grateful. And now the, the day's not attacking me. I'm attacking the day. You know, and I love that, you know, because something that I do, I stop watching TV before I go to bed at night. Because, mm. um, you know, they say sometimes the blue lights and stuff like that can affect your your sleep. And I listen to, you know, books on you know, on audio um, before I go to bed at night. So I have something positive. And, you know, like um, I just finished a book, but it was called From Homeless to Billionaire. And now I'm listening to another book because I'm blind. Everybody knows that listens to my show. I'm blind. So um, I listen to a lot of audio books on tape. And one of them I'm listening to right now is the CEO of um, Alibaba, you know, the, the largest e-commerce that crushes Amazon in, in China or Japan. But all these high achievers and high successful people put gratitude at the top, like you said, at the top of the list. Um, and I believe it's because, you know, whatever you call it, the universe, whatever I call it, God, um, a God, I think God in the universe is like, it's like a father, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, your kids should appreciate what they have and take care of what they have. You're more likely to give that child more, but if you're a spoiled brat, you know, you're not going to really want to give that kid as much. And I think that's the way the, the world or the universe, God is the same way that if you're not living in gratitude and you can't appreciate what you have, then one day you'll appreciate what you had because you're going to lose it all. So talk to us more about gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you nailed it right on the head there. Um, we're, we're constantly calling in what we want. So if gratitude is something that we're going to experience later after getting what we want, then we're always going to be chasing that because we're saying we don't have it now. When we drop into gratitude right now, we're saying, hey, I'm so grateful for what I have and what's coming. And that's another uh, you look at uh, there's a thing called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it, it, it's about the mind and really feeling into the feelings of where you want to be. So like you can sit there and, and think about your goals and your dreams and from a from a mental standpoint and think about it. But coming from the heart space and they 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 monitored this, the heart produces a 10 times more magnetic field than the brain does. So there's there's much more power in our heart and gratitude comes from our heart. So when we get we in our minds, we think about the things we want. We have this vision. But when we tune into gratitude, we tune into gratitude from our hearts. And that that's what sends out that massive, massive um, energetic 
field, like you said, you know, that, that God responds to, that the universe responds to, whatever you call it, responds to saying, I'm grateful and I'm ready to receive more because I'm in this space of gratitude. You know, when, when you're in that space of not appreciating, you're already showing that you can't appreciate the things that are coming and the things that, that, that you want to, to come. So you're always going to experience that in your experience. It kind of goes back to the people that are just handed money and, and they squander it away. Um, it's funny. I heard a thing about people who they measured people's level of happiness a year after winning the lotto and a year after becoming a paraplegic. And a year later, both sets of people had the same average level of happiness. And it all comes back to that, to that gratitude and being in a position, being in a position to even have the things that are given to you. And these people that just are given the lottery money and they don't know how to be grateful or be in a position to have that they're not happy. But on the other token, people who become paraplegic and they're grateful probably just to be alive, have an immense happiness and immense gratitude to be on this earth, even though they've been through some crazy thing. So it's not your circumstance. It's not your situation. It's how you view your circumstance and how you view your situation is really what, what makes your, your, uh, your existence. Now, you know, I love that, you know, the positive veteran. I love that. I just joined a group today. I can't wait to be get more involved in it. Um, but you know, like I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't know how to be positive. And then I, I give them a challenge and it was something that challenge was given to me. Somebody told me, well, your mind is like a Facebook page. And I didn't know what he meant. So he said, I want you to, for the next 30 days, I want you to go to your Facebook page. I want you to scroll past all the negative stuff, but all the positive stuff, I want you to heart. I want you to like. And I didn't know what that meant. But eventually, after the 30 days, now there's nothing but positive stuff coming up on my Facebook page. Because Facebook will show you more of what you're already looking at. And the mind will do the same thing. If you're looking for the positive world, eventually you'll start looking at all the little positive stuff. So talk to us about, you know, being positive and changing that mindset and actually looking at positiveness and also looking at ways you can bless people every single day to build a more positive life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you brought that Facebook thing up because that was a big thing for me. I think a lot of people demonize Facebook. They talk about shit posting and memes and quite frankly my social media i go on there and there is nothing but positive quotes and motivation because of the things that i choose to follow and engage with and these tools just like i believe everything in the universe is neutral we have to give everything a meaning our brains have to give the meaning to everything we experience so social media isn't inherently bad it's just the the relationship we have with it and whether it's social media tv music that's that was the biggest shift for me in becoming this positive person was what am i surrounding myself with our diet isn't just the food we eat and and our, our food plays a big role too because emotionally our gut and our brains talk to one another but what are we feeding ourselves on our social media feeds how much time are you talking you know, engaging in uh, an argument on Facebook um, or an argument with something about something really medial and really that doesn't need to be an argument. Um, that's really where I'm cultivating this positivity from was was every day surrounding myself by books, by people and by sources that were showing me positive things. 
And I definitely don't want this to get confused with toxic positivity because I do believe toxic positivity is a thing where I just want to be positive and I don't want to address any bad things and nothing bad happens and everything's positive because that's also on the other end of the spectrum. I think like everything in the world, there's a healthy balance and we need to confront, we need to understand the things that aren't positive, but understand that the things aren't positive always have a positive light. Um, you, uh, there's, you've heard this, um, Tony Robbins definitely said this one, life doesn't happen to us, it happens for us. And when we can come from that mindset, we're gonna go through shitty things. We're gonna have things happen to us. But when we understand that there's a lesson in it and there's a value in it, and many times those things are deeply tied to our purpose and what we're meant to be doing, that's when we see the, the positivity in all. You know, looking back on my story, there was things that, you know, the thing with my father, and then a, a thing that came up later in life, I, you know, I had a sexual abuse that happened when I was about eight, nine years old with a babysitter. Like that was another thing that was a struggle, but it, it helped cultivate the tools that I needed to become who I need to become to help other people who are going through things that I, that I went through. So I have a, I part going on to the gratitude thing again, I have gratitude for my struggles, for my pains, and for all the negative situations I went through, because at the end of the day, they weren't negative. They cultivated a deep fire within me that's gonna make a huge difference in the world. So I think that's really at the root of it, is understanding it's not gonna be positivity and rainbows all day long, every day, but understanding there's a deeper meaning, there's a deeper purpose, and this isn't for nothing. You know, everyone has a deep purpose on this planet, and it's through our struggles that cultivate it. And, you know, and I believe that for some people like me and you, um, your mess becomes your message mm. and you're able to you know, help others from everything that you went through. But now also there's the thing like I was listening to an interview from a, a top motivational speaker. I'm not going to mention his name because I'm not about to get sued. Uh, but he said, you know what? I see the same people. Every, every time I have a, an event coming to my shows, because he says 95% of the people will just come to the show, but 5% of the people will actually act upon it and take action. So, to, you know, talk to us. You know, there's a difference between um, listening to positive stuff and reading positive books and going to seminars. But if you're not acting upon it, you're not really getting anywhere. You know, like I say, sometimes it's better to read one book and act upon it and change your life than to read a thousand books and don't act and change anything. So talk to us about putting thoughts into action. Are you there? Did I lose you? My brother. Hello. I don't know what, what part you heard last, but um, talk to us about, you know, there's a reason why a lot of people go to see Tony Robbins. They keep going back. I think a lot of it because they don't act on what they're taught. So talk to us about putting the, uh, stuff you learn into action. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I caught that. So I definitely had learned that lesson. Um, there's, there's the knowledge, right? We take the knowledge in, but actually implementing it and making it our new identity is, is a different process. And, and it takes time. And for me, what I realized was 
90% of it for me was releasing the old, right? So to become this new version of myself, the person that doesn't drink, the person that doesn't get angry, the person that doesn't, you know, say things that I regret, I had to release the old version of myself. And going back to how the brain works, that's scary. Change for the brain is inherently scary. The unknown, it, it's, it goes against our programming, basically, to stay in the safety net of who we are and what we know. So, yes, we're learning these things and we're becoming these new things and these new patterns, but actively, you know, doing things that don't support who we were. So really, like, so for me, like, I'm not a drinker anymore. Like, I had to, to, you know, as I began to move away from the people that I didn't do that with, and I showed myself that, whoa, I can do these things and not do this. So I think for me, it's, it's really living the things that you're talking about and showing yourself you're not that person. And also, the people in your life might try to hold you to that version of yourself that you once were. So loved ones, the people you're close with, they still see this old version of you. And when they kind of bring up, well, that's how you always are and this, and, and they bring up these things from the past that kind of holds you into these past patterns. And especially if you do that on yourself and you're, if you're hard on yourself, it, it, it creates this, this, this discord within yourself of who you're trying to become. I know self-love was a big part of my journey because I become awoken to these patterns that I didn't like in myself. I was like, whoa, I was this person. I didn't like who I was. So it was this like self-love, self-acceptance of like, okay, you were that person, but this is who you're becoming. And I think it goes back to surrounding yourself in these things of who you're becoming and maintaining that vision of who you're becoming through your habits and patterns and remembering that you're, you're releasing these old versions of yourself because who we are is just a concept. You know, we have this concept that we kind of solidify in, oh, I'm a veteran, I'm a, I'm a smoker, whatever you put in that box. But at the end of the day, we're not in a box as much as our minds want to stay in it. So, you know, really implementing that change, um, I think at the end of it too, you know, we talk about integration. At the core of it is integrity. You can do all, you can take all the seminars in the world, all the information in the world, have all the vision, but if you don't have integrity with yourself, you're not going to be creating that vision. And then if you don't have integrity to yourself, like imagine if you go and tell your friend you're going to be somewhere and then you don't show up, you're going to feel pretty shitty that you weren't reliable to your word. And people do that with themselves all the time. So then they just, they just, they don't believe themselves. And now there's this, this big identity crisis. Cause you're like, I want to be this person, but I can't even do what I say. And then you kind of create this whole confusion about your identity. So, you know, I really think it goes into integrity, really saying the things that you're, you say you're doing the things you're, you say you're going to do and being able to release the person that you were so you could become the person that you're meant to be. I love it. Now talk to us because I know I have five things that I tell myself every day, hundreds of times a day. Uh, so talk to us about self-talk and self-affirmations. Yes, yes, I have an affirmation practice myself. So I definitely, every day I do money affirmations. I do at least 10 to 15 of those. Um, so those are things like money flows easily to me. Um, money is a tool to help others and reach a larger audience. There's an abundance of money in the world. So every day I affirm because how many times have you heard money doesn't grow on trees, money's not easy to come by, this, that, and the other thing. And those limiting beliefs are instilled in us. Instilled in us back, I was just reading a book the other day, and this comes from the Great Depression area. 
our grandparents instilled in our parents because they went through some rough stuff back in the day and they did lose everything. So these these belief systems are still out there from a very real time frame in American history. But the fact of the matter is there's an abundance of money and there's an abundance of wealth out there that's that's coming and circulating through. So really grounding into that and the money aspect of it for me has been huge. And then on the other aspect of it, you know, we talked about the positive veteran community. Like I affirm every day that I have a strong community with a positive veteran that's growing every day that everything I set out to achieve, I already have. And time just hasn't caught up to it yet. Like understanding like linear, like we have the things that we're going to get. Energetically, we have them. Time just hasn't caught up to it yet. So I think that drops into that gratitude thing again. Like I'm grateful that I have it already. I can already feel it, but just it's taken some time for it to come here. So those are the things I affirm to myself every day because there was a time in my life I didn't believe I was worthy and that who the hell wants to hear me talk and who am I to give advice and who am I to this? Like I held those beliefs. So to ensure that those things don't seep back into my consciousness, every day I remind myself of the work that I put in the, the insights that I have that can truly help people get out of situations that I've been in. Um, th- those are things that I, I find very important to affirm every day to myself. Now, question, you know, my last two questions that I ask everybody, um, how do we find you? Um, how can we hire you if, if, as, as a coach? How do we join your group? How, how do we find, find what, you, what you got going on? Yes. Cool. I'll give you a couple of outlets. So my website is positiveveterancoaching.com. Um, and that's where you can book now, find more about the, the one-on-one coaching, my coaching programs. Um, the best place though, my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. Um, I'm Joe Walters, uh, Facebook slash backslash the positive veteran on there. I am posting daily videos, Um, about all the things I'm learning. That's where I love to give my free content out. I love to share the insights, the things I'm going through, the things I'm learning. I have a passion for that. And through that, you'll see my YouTube page and all all the other areas where I'm at. So really my Facebook, everyone's on Facebook all the time. So I think that's the best place to find me and and really where I'll have a bulk of my content out where you can really engage with me and we can start to build a relationship. And then the one step further is if you're a veteran, I'm sure if you're on this podcast, most likely you're a veteran, I have that group called The Positive Veteran. And to give you a little explanation with that, that's not kind of my business page. This is a bigger vision I had. So when I got out of the military and I was in Facebook groups looking for veteran groups, I found a bunch of groups of disgruntled vets and and Facebook groups out there. But I saw a ton of shit posting and half naked women three times a day, and which is like cool and all. But I felt that veterans needed a community of positivity, a community of veterans there to uplift support and be there for one another. I could put guide videos out. I could put daily motivation. Other guys could put motivation. So while I have my business, the positive veteran is, is I see as a movement of a much needed community on Facebook. Cause I know I'm not the only veteran that wants positivity and wants a group of other veterans where they don't have to deal with negativity and, and BS and, and half naked women where they can have an open container to be vulnerable, to talk about struggles and to genuinely, genuinely connect with people on a deep level so that we can all rise up together. Cause if I learn anything, we all rise up together. Like uh, my good friends, uh, Liam and, um, and Chris over at the OVF have built a beautiful community. So I just know when we come together, we can do massive, massive things. We have all the tools. We're veterans. We can do things far beyond what a, what a civilian can do. So when we come together to cultivate that, that's what I'm trying to do with that group. So that group's called the Positive Veteran. 
Um, so all, all cohesiveness. If you type in the positive variant, you'll get to one of the places and you'll get be able to find the rest. I love it. Now, last question I ask everybody, and I love asking it because I ask a thousand people and I get a thousand different answers. Um, we're still in the height of COVID. Um, we still have a lot of families lost jobs here in New Jersey. So some of them are driving for Uber, DoorDash, so on, so forth. Uh, we got grandparents, um, you know, watching kids so they can go to school virtually. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're so busy, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step to change their life in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if there's somebody listening to this podcast right now that is in a slump and wants to change your life, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? The first thing that comes up for me is awareness. You know, I, I think that I wasn't aware of my actions and how, what I was doing. So just becoming aware, maybe that and what comes up for me is like journaling, writing down just maybe the emotions you're feeling, what you're doing. The more we become aware, I felt like the rest of the process was a more natural thing. So just that awareness of where we are can begin to build a gap or build a vision of where we want to go or where we don't want to be. And then maybe that that's when you can start making the steps towards help, towards asking for help, towards building better habits. So if I had to give anyone anything, it's just start to become aware of what you're doing and why you're doing them. Are you doing them because you want to be doing them? Or is it some prior old belief system, the BS belief systems of somebody else or of some other thing that doesn't really, that doesn't play for you anymore. It doesn't work for you anymore. I love it, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I appreciate you so much. Um, I'm so grateful for your friendship. Um, th now this will go out in a couple of weeks because I'm still backlogged and got vacations and stuff, but it's going to go out to like 1.4 million veterans and people out there. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time. And most of all, thank you for your friendship and thank you for your support. Absolutely, Richard. Thank you. It definitely goes both ways. I continue. I look forward to continuing to build this friendship, this community and uh, doing amazing things with the veteran community. It really lights me up. And thank you so much. And I, uh, like I said, guys, if you if you don't join the Facebook group, you're missing out on a lot because I just joined and I'm, I'm already getting some value out of it. So definitely the positive veteran group on Facebook. Check it out. All right, Joe, brother, have an amazing week and God bless you. Absolutely. You as well. God bless. All right, brother. Bye. All right. Hey, guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new T-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And, and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about 
how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.